0: hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of the ruby rogues podcast this week on our panel we have luke stutters hello i'm charles maxwood from top end devs and this week we have a special guest and it's mateus yeah you have this uh long name that i know i will screw up so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself let us know who you are why you're famous all that good stuff
1: hello everyone my name is mateus i'm from a developer from brazil i work at a company called thoughtbot and Today we're here to talk about comments, which I didn't think was such an intriguing topic. But here we are.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, the ThoughtBot newsletter, giant robots, robots, robots. (laughs) So I I don't know if they still do it, but yeah, anyway, I just love the name. So
1: yeah, I'm not sure if they used to run that as well.
0: Yeah, I don't know. As the leading digital platform for medical professionals, Doximity is transforming the healthcare industry. Founded in 2010, Doximity's mission is to help physicians save time so that they can provide better care for patients. they build built secure and modern communication workflow and networking tools. Over 1.8 million healthcare professionals, including over 80% of U.S. doctors, rely on Doximity in their day-to-day practice. Their tools are physician-first and patient-centered. Doximity is a remote-first, distributed team, and they take pride in the culture they've built. They recognize that the company is successful when people are successful. They've built a diverse team with an inclusive culture, and they're multicultural, multilingual, and international. Their diversity is their code, too. they built products with Ruby, Rails, Vue.js, and Golang. They'd like you to come join their mission to make every physician more productive so they can provide better care for their patients. Visit workat.doximity.com to see open physicians, employee interviews, and Doximity in the news. Anyway, we ran across your article about don't use comments, use code. In other words, comments suck, they're the <laughs> devil, and you're bad if you like them, right? Th- I mean, that's what I got, so...
1: Oh, it, th- that wasn't what I'm planning to say, <laughs> but I hope, I hope
2: okay. It's worse than that, Chuck. The first line of this article is, comments are a code smell. So not only are they, a smell, <laughs> but they're a smelly devil, too.
0: <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought that was just you, Luke, but... <laughs> No, my kids have been in my office. That's what I'm smelling. Anyway, yeah, take a shower, man. Anyway, so yeah, so let's let's talk about comments, right? Because I I think, I mean, I read the article. Like 90% of this stuff, I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense. There are a few places where I might disagree with you or I might have thoughts. But yeah, let's just talk about the idea of when and why not to use comments. When not to and why not to. Yeah. So, So where do you see people dropping them in where they shouldn't be? I
1: think most examples I, I've put on that blog post was, were things that I seen in real life. And I think comments are, had a bad use when they're trying to explain what the code is doing. For example, I've seen a, a lot of people, especially uh, beginners, but I have seen senior developers doing the, this as well. Like for each line on their code, they would put a comment above it explaining what that line was supposed to do and this is a bad sign in my opinion like i believe that your code should be readable enough that you can read the code and understand what it is doing and if you can do that the problem is on the code itself sometimes i think this the the thing is this applies to most times i'm not saying this is a rule and every comment is bad i'm just saying that most comments that i've seen around are could be better if they were replaced by code itself, not comments. Especially in this example where you put like a comment for each line, it is very easy to refactor that line and refactor that code. And with time the comments do not reflect the the current code. So the comments get like out of date with the code itself. So the comments are not true anymore, but they they still there. So Whenever people read that code, they are, like, unsure if the comments is right or if the code is right, What what's the right one here? So right. those are the places where I think comments are not a good fit.
0: That makes sense. And, and I generally agree with you, right? I mean, if you're trying to explain what the code does, yeah, just write the code so that it tells you what it does.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not, like, uh, something that is really hard to say. And I think this is especially useful for dynamically typed languages like Ruby or Python, where you don't have like explicitly static types in the code, because types give you a hint of what you're trying to do. So sometimes people use comments to kind of try and address some of that. But if you like have a method in a Ruby a Ruby method and you receives like a user as an argument, you kind of have idea of what is going on. If it's a Rails app you probably are receiving like a user model or something. But if you have like a an argument called data, that could mean anything. So it's it's not it's not a, a good name for a variable. So sometimes people call their variables like data or value and put a comment right above user. So that that's not neither. It's just it's just more code. Cool. So just name your variables and methods. Well and you like you walk of the the way to having better code. It's not hard, but I know that naming is one of the hardest problems in computer science, but that's why they're important because they, they, they reveal the intention of the code. Yeah.
2: What's the worst comment you've ever seen? (laughs) <laughs> what, what what I want to say is where this where did this hatred of comments come from? I want to find the comment that hurt you in your past. What's I, what's one that really stands out?
1: I don't think there is any, any comment that is particularly bad or that. I I don't think there are hate comments as well. I think maybe the way I phrase it is really it sounds really angry, but I wasn't <laughs> trying to do that. I think the the thing is sometimes i think comments is just a lazy way to problems like you have to name something and you're kind of in a, in that place where naming is hard and you are kind of trying to figure out a good name a good abstraction for that you just can't find it and you go ahead and put a comment because it's easier you explain it with a, a big word and a lot of, lots of words so people can understand but that's just giving up and uh, I think it was DHH that said that sometimes he, he stares at code for like one hour or two, just trying to think about a good name for an abstraction, a good name for method or whatever. So I, th- I think that's a good example of sometimes naming is hard. But when you get that concept done and when you get that thing named, it, it I think it opened up, opens up something in your mind. You unblock this concept. And you can work much easier in the future when everyone on the team agrees on the on a name on a concept. That makes everything easier. So when you gave up and just put on a comment, your I think most times it's being lazy is giving up. But yeah, I don't think I have like an specific example of uh, a comment that is bad. But one one thing that I hate is when the comments lie. So I, I got this app and it, they have a comment for a number that meant a certain time in seconds, but it wasn't actually in seconds. It was in minutes. So the comment was lying. So this is bad. <laughs> so th- this is I've one of really the places that before. And you can test that because comments are not testable. So that's one, another thing that I, I think code is better. You can have all the benefits mm-hmm. of code. You can have testing, which is awesome. You can test everything. Comments are not testable. You can use linters. You can use tools to check the code complexity. If you have like a type check language, you can use types. You can use all the benefits that code brings. But when you recurse to comments, that's it. You can do much anything else. That's it. And you are, you are out, out of health. For example, if you're refactoring and you're relying on comments, it's kind of hard to get it right. But if you have like a compiler or a linter to help you, it's much easier because it's code.
2: Why do you think, and it's very common, especially when you start a program,
1: why do you
2: think people write for example one comment per line so you find these these methods where they they've literally got like you know maybe one or two comments per step why do you think people people tend to do that especially when they start programming
1: when is a beginner doing that i don't mind that but because i think when we are beginners at least that was my experience i, I was just trying to get things done i was fighting the language i thought it would see so i was fighting the language all the time And comments were a way to remind myself what I'm doing, what I'm supposed to do. So I I would write like comments as steps, I should do this, and then that, and then that, and I should get that in the end. It's almost like a TDD, but (laughs) with comments. And then what I would try is converting the comments into code. So that's fine. I think that's fine because there's a, it's like a framework for you to get your ideas into code. And the comments is kind of a middle step between those things. That's fine. I, I have nothing against that. But whenever the code is done, then now it's time to make the code speak for itself. And obviously, I won't, I won't require a beginner to do that because you're you're still exercising your developer mind. You're still trying to grasp a lot of concepts at the same time. But I won't require a beginner to get like the best code out of his mind on the first try. But a more senior developer, uh when they finish code, when code works, that doesn't mean that the work is done. That was just the first part. You make the code work, now you make it better, now you make it with good names, now you make it faster, like you have a lot of sec a lot of next steps there. As they say, you first you make you work, then you make it better. So that for beginners, it's okay. Leave comments. It's okay. So you go back to the code you wrote a couple of weeks ago and you remember what you were doing. But for a more expert, a more senior developer, I think it, you should make your code speak for itself.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Sometimes I found that it's it's a little bit tough to, uh, t- to nail down exactly how to explain what the code is doing. And so then I put a comment in just to kind of clarify, hey, this is, this is kind of what we're fighting with right now. So
1: Yeah, and that's fine as well. I think I mentioned in that article, I'm not against comments. I'm just, I think I'm more against comments that explain what the code is doing and not why it's doing, which is different. Because sometimes you can express the why with the code itself. For example, I had this weird API that was I was working with, and it required me to send like query params in a specific order. And if you change the order, it won't work. So that's something that you can't explain exactly with code. So I think that's a good case to explain with a comment, like, okay, this API is kind of banana, so we have to do this funky stuff here. But it's only required on this place. So whenever people see that code and see what you're doing and they think it's weird, they can read that comment and, oh, okay, that's why. And if in the future we change that API, we can get rid of that code that make it that crazy stuff because it was only needed for that specific case. So comments are indeed a good, a good message in this, in this particular case because you are like communicating with developers in a way that code can. And you're not explaining what the code is doing. You're explaining why you're doing that and why that matters. Yeah.
2: It's a it's a really great article. And it's got uh, lots of uh, really well written, really clear, lots of great examples, lots of good advice. And I disagree with nearly, very nearly everything you have to say. <laughs> uh, I'm really looking forward to this episode. So open with my salvo of why, why I think that comments are better than code, are better than code. And I'm going to throw some outrageous statements out there as I usually do. And, uh, I, I want you to, I want you to put me, put me straight because you know <laughs> I'm wrong. So I would rather have comments in a code base than tests. Oh, that, that's a, <laughs> that's, I, that's a I broad statement. Like.
0: Whoa, 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 what?
2: You pull up well, the big guns. Continue. I would, I would rather have comments in the code and tests, but let's, let's, um, let's uh, circle back to that one. When you talk about comments per line, I found that really interesting because <laughs> when I see comments per line, I've, we've all done it. What that mm-hmm. to me says, this developer is operating pretty much on the edge of what they can do. You don't write comments per line if you're in your comfort zone. This to me says right. this person is out of their comfort zone and they're talking their way through it. And arguably, you really want to kind of do new stuff and kind of push boundaries ahead you should be coding at the edge of your comfort zone so this to me says this is a guy who's kind of sweating and working really hard you know this is someone who's really pushing the envelope of what they can do so arguably when i see comments line, i'm like oh we're getting we're getting stuff done here let's go how would you say that? Uh, how would you how would you respond to that? Uh, my thesis that comment showed that developers are working as hard as they
1: possibly can. I think that that's fair. I think that's true. As I, when I say that it's okay for a beginner to do that, I don't mean just a beginner in code in general. I mean a beginner in any matter. Like I'm trying to learn a new language. Say you've worked with Python your whole life and you're trying to learn this thing called Rust now. You're going to have a, l- a hard time because it's completely different. So you're a beginner in Rust, even though you're like a senior developer or whatever in Python, you're now a beginner in Rust and you are working outside of your comfort zone. So it's okay to put comments because you're not, you didn't fully really grasp all the concepts yet. So yeah, a hundred percent of that.
2: I'm, uh, playing dev with that. I want to go back to what I said about I'd rather have comments than tests. So this is a totally true story. And by amazing coincidence, since the start of December I've been doing some work on a ten year old PHP code base that was developed entirely in Portuguese. So it's a uh, going concerns as a live site does a lot of business and the developers have kind of a missing, presumed gone. So I received a distressed call and I have a language <laughs> which I don't really know, PHP in a language I definitely don't know, which is Portuguese. And here's the thing. When I say this is written in Portuguese, I mean all the variables are named and all the methods are named in Portuguese. And to give you an example, when we say DB, the database, that doesn't appear in this code base. It is, of course, BD. Yeah. Base the data, right? right? Yeah. That's because so, That's what people say in, am I correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, that
2: it, it—it's yes, the the other way around. If there had not been a critical mass of long-form comments written in Portuguese that I could have put in to uh, Google Translate and deciphered, Google Translate's yeah. awful Portuguese reading. It really is bad. Google Translate does not speak Portuguese at all. <laughs> it's dreadful. Um, some of my my mother's fluent in Spanish. So I got her to kind of have a go at some of it, but it's very different. If it hadn't been for these long comments, I would have, have no chance at debugging these issues. And because I'm fixing bugs, the tests really don't kind of help me that much because it's just a straight up, you know, this doesn't print, can you fix it? So that's why in that case, any number of tests wouldn't have helped me at all. But those few long form comments in Portuguese, some of them from 2011, for somebody written in, this is what this does. Absolutely saved my bacon and got the system working.
1: So that is why I would rather have comments than tests. Yeah. In that case, I guess you probably are right, but I don't think that's the rule. <laughs> I think you're trying to make an exception, the rule, which is not what uh, right. I'm saying here. Uh, I think what the goal of the article was say, most of the comments are not needed. Maybe, maybe it's like uh, that 80, 20 thing, like, 80% of the comments are not needed. And I think you're trying to make that 20% of it the, the rule here. And, and it's, it's a particular case and it's a kind of tricky one. Like I, I don't know what, what I would do in that case, but I think the comments helped you understanding the code and that's great. But when you, you know, have a bug like this, the first thing that I would do is creating a test so I can reproduce it, and then I can fix it and see the test pass. So I wouldn't add a comment. I wouldn't add a test to fix that. So I think I would rather have both <laughs> and not only comments in that case.
2: That's, that's entirely entirely fair. There's there's a bit in your blog post about magic numbers. And it's, in fact there's no, there's no to magic numbers. And what I like about the structure of your article is not only do you give a kind of do, don't do this, do that. But it gives even better example of you know do do squared, which is kind of like this is what you a pro a pro pro coder <laughs> tip. And in the magic number section, I I prefer I prefer the don't section. I like the code better. I don't <laughs> know if you can see it, Chuck, but I like the code better yeah. in the don't section.
1: I love to hear why.
2: I... For the benefit of the listeners, in the don't section. it says channel ID zero hashtag general, saying that the this zero stands for channel general. And then you move to putting a constant called general channel ID. So instead of going zero, you get general channel ID. And then in the last one, you actually use a um, an open struct, which is a really nice, readable way of doing it. So you have a, a, a struct containing all the channel IDs. So you can go channel IDs dot. General, I I love using structs in Ruby because it means you can use the dot notation. It looks it looks really nice. It's a real, a real upgrade. But I prefer the don't one. I genuinely I genuinely do like that one because it's simpler. Do you
1: think there's do you think there's a, there's a kind of sometimes magic numbers? Can um, can, you, can you can I have? Some <laughs> magic numbers? I don't see a a good way of doing that through our code base. Like. If you have it in one place, maybe that's fine. But if you have code like this all throughout your app, like you have zeros and ones and twos everywhere, how do you keep track of what is it? And when you change one of those numbers, how how do you you go into shotgun surgery throughout your app, like changing every file everywhere? So not only comments are worse here in the sense that it is fragile. But in the sense of refactoring as well, if you have like a constant, even like an object, even a global variable here would be better because you only have to change in one place. And I've just open struck in that example simple just for, because the dot notation is cool, as you said it, but it could be anything, could be in an object, could it be in a hash, probably a hash. It would be more idiomatic in Ruby. But that doesn't matter. The, what is ma- what really matters here is the concept. Like the comments are fragile, and if you're doing it in one place, that's okay because you always find that place and the comment right after it. But if you're doing it in a lot of places, it's hard to keep track of all that because not all, not always you you're going to use the comment. You're not like you're not required to put a, a comment. But if you use a constant, you always put a constant because you can access the value anyway. So you automatically force, enforce users to write good code when you have a constant like that instead of a comment. So I think that's a win-win situation.
2: Thwarted, thwarted again. All right, I'll try again. <laughs> I'll try again. There's a bit uh, called the just do it section, which is definitely not a copyright infringement or a trademark. <laughs> section talks about replacing inline, in this case it's a system call to turn off the, the output of a terminal when you're typing the password. And what you've done is you've replaced this friendly, open, transparent system call with a mysterious module called terminal. And that module has some uh singleton methods defined on it. So instead of going system stty minus echo, you instead say terminal dot disable echo and the idea is that this then tells someone who's not familiar perhaps with the linux command line that this is what this command actually does now but do you, do you, don't you think that's a, an unnecessary abstraction? You know, do we really need a module to turn off the terminal? and and isn't terminal a very general word like data? you know,'t is aren't you being inconsistent here?
1: I think that's a good abstraction to do, probably because with an abstraction like that, you could handle different shows like you. I don't know if it's the same comment for every OS, for example. So, you could have that abstraction handling all that so the your code don't have to think about if it's running on a Mac OS, on a Linux or whatever so I think that's that's worth doing and another thing that I think is is cool about having methods that I didn't put here, but come up, come to my mind now is we could use like a terminal dot enable disable echo, and pass a block, and only the code inside that block would be with the terminal disabled. So that, that would be a cool thing. So you don't have to remember to re-enable in the end. Kind of like what Ruby does with opening files. You pass a block, use the file, and after block, the file is closed. You don't have to close it manually. That avoids a whole lot of problems. So to me, that's another benefit of extracting it. Uh, I could, I could accept another suggestion instead of terminal. I think that's a better word that I thought about it but if you all have a good suggestion i'm happy to update the article that's why we have better programming and code reviews anyway so this is not like a the best code in the world it's just like a version that is better than the comment version in my opinion
2: so what you're saying is by removing the comment not only is the code easier to understand but it's also easier to change and extend
1: exactly exactly Um,
2: well i I could i could disagree more (laughs)
0: so that the but it's not it's not going very well for me chuck here i don't know if you can help me out (laughs) no i agree with i agree with most of the stuff here i i have a couple of things here that i disagree with but i kind of want to call out some of the things that are here i do agree with you on the on the magic number because yeah i mean it channel zero and then But I wouldn't put hash general. I would put something like uh, zero is the general channel for my comment. But um, At the same time, I do also find it more elegant to, you know, yeah, to put... I I don't love constants. I just, I don't. And so um, I would rather just define the variable general channel equals zero as a variable and just do it that way, as opposed to the, you know, the all caps constant. Uh, if that
1: is just only on that file, that's, that yeah, yeah. solves the problem, right? You could have, having, that is called like a, an explaining variable. You can extract like explaining variables all the time. For example, I like to do it on if statements. Uh, if you have like a long if statement, instead of having like all of those expressions there, you can extract an explaining variable that explains what what is this condition and use it on the if. So that that's, that could work here, but if you're using this this magic number outside of this file, outside of this function or this module, you can just access a variable like that. Maybe if it is like a, a class variable or something like that, you could, but anyway, it's the concept is similar. Uh, I think any code here is better than the common, it could even be a config, like you could create like an instance of a class and pass what the general channel ID is and use it inside the class. But whatever. I think the main point is the code is better than the comment in this case. Yeah.
0: Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to That's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. I also, I didn't know about the To Do or Die gem. and I, I like that. So I'm going to call it All right. Out. How cool is that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I updated this article a, late, a bit later with this gem because I found it. It's from the guys from Test Double. It is really cool because a lot of to-do comments never get done. At least that was my experience. Whenever I created a to-do or I see to-do on code, I was already doing something else. So I haven't time to stop in doing that. So what people do is they just put a to-do and forget about it and probably never get back to this. But when you have a gem like this, to-do or die, you have to do it because otherwise your will have homework.
2: It's, so very, very cool. I yeah. also disagree with you about the to-dos. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why <laughs> I don't agree with you about to-dos. Because I like to-dos. Ever since I've realized they change color in the editor when I put uh-huh. them in, I've been a huge fan. But the reason I like to-dos is because I'm often dealing with multiple clients, and each of those clients often has very different code base across multiple languages. So I have to context switch a lot, probably a lot more, than most developers, and oftentimes very limited, as I'm sure you know. So, if I can just create a to do here and there, you know, that saved my baking. And a lot of times I'll come back to a file and go, ah, yeah, there's my to do. I've got a minute. I'll fix that. I'll fix that quickly. But what you're suggesting is that instead of doing it right here, right now in the code base, and by that, I mean adding a to do. I'm not about getting it to do done. I'm just talking about making a note. Yep. Um, instead, I should switch to something else like Jira or GitHub and create an issue that, that tracks the issue properly. Isn't it surely it's better to have it in the code right there than to have a kind of separate thing?
1: Yeah, I think, I think for the, the case you're making, yeah, I think the comment is better in the sense that you'll get that and fix it. You won't like commit this and push to production, this to do comment. You, it's just intermediate step. And as I said, comments are often used as an intermediate step between tests. So that's fine. Uh, what I'm saying is you, you won't put a to do comment and push it and just leave for someone else to handle that. I think in our case, it's more like a reminder than a, (laughs) than everything. So. It could be a to-do comment. It could be like a markdown file. I often create markdown files and and write what I'm supposed to do and and then I'm, I'm I'll do it. It could be a reminder on a reminder or to-do app. Everything works here. I think that what you're trying to do is just to remind yourself that you have to do something, and how you do this is up to you. But doing this as a form to express what the code should do and is not doing or Something that has to be refactored or whatever, upgrade dependencies. This is not a reminder. This is something you have to do. And I don't think comments are the best way because they are not s- easily trackable. You can assign them to people. It's kind of hidden. Imagine all open source gems having comments instead of issues. It would be a mess because no one else, it, it would be a mess to handle who's, who's trying to fix what and who's which issues are not being worked on. So I think for, for that case, um, uh, issue trackers or whatever are better. But if it's just a reminder for something that you'll do later, it's okay. I'll do this uh, all, all the time. So <laughs> I think they are not quite the same problem. I come
2: from a long line of to doers. My father, to my knowledge, spent 30 <laughs> years, spent 30 years that I know about fixing the window. <laughs> I, was, I, I very regularly push to-dos to production, and that segues very nicely into something I wanted to touch on, which was your article on writing RuboCop's. Oh yeah, was custom RubyCops. RuboCop's, which is absolutely fantastic Thanks. article because it also looks at using the kind of Ruby parser tree, so you can kind of pick out things in your code. In my case, then a uh, to-do detector, you could just use a regex. But in your article, you also talk about, you know, how to I think you're you're picking out the actual symbol used to yeah. call a module or a class. class.
0: And uh, yeah, that's that's a
2: that's a really great read. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't
0: go ahead. I was just gonna say I don't love the RuboCop comments either. You <laughs> get about eight of those going. That's that's always fun. And yeah. it's the ones where you can turn off RuboCop by putting yeah. magic comment in. Yep. Yeah, the on the to do's yeah, as long as it's accompanied by some other system, right? So to do or die, I've seen uh, Git hooks, right? That collect them and, you know, remind you about them. Yeah, yeah something. Yeah, the comments by themselves
1: are, are, they are not sufficient. About the RoboCops, the, the, those are like another way to to avoid comments. I, I didn't know about RoboCops cops at the time I wrote the comments article, but they served that problems as well because they're code. And you can automate stuff. I'm not sure if you can. Uh, I think you can parse comments with RoboCop. And in that way, it's great because you can treat it sort, sort of like co- code, but it's not first class as code itself. But yeah, we created that, that RoboCop cop, and we could uh, keep track of feature flags that are not used and or unknown and are used. I, I I didn't get to actually create like a a form a uh, RoboCop that actually corrects the 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 code, but that's doable as well. So you can make your RoboCop fix code for you, which is another cool thing uh, that comments can do. So even to those certain types of to do's, you could automate to get like automatically done if you want.
2: What I need is a system that takes a failing test, calls a RuboCop on that test, puts it through to the GitHub Copilot API that then replaces <laughs> the code
0: and then fixes the test. When you have that, let me know. Right. So, one other thing in here that uh, you said hey, this is okay to use comments for. Yard is evil. Yard, Yard what? is freaking evil. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you're putting comments in to get your yard documentation, you're bad and you should feel bad the, because you're writing lies, lies no lie that even? turn into HTML that is beautiful and lies. Now, if you're writing a library and you're keeping it up to date because you want the the documentation to work great, that's fine. You're not evil. You're just kind of evil. But if if it's your own code, like if you're writing a Rails app or you're writing some other thing and it's just you and your team, I'm sorry. Use a damn wiki. And, and then when the wiki's out of date, you can, you can at least say, well, we haven't been updating the wiki. But the problem is, is that those, those comments, they get put in and they're never, ever, ever updated unless there's some public consequence for it. Like, Hey, your documentation is wrong. Right. Somebody will tweet it and you get embarrassed and you go fix it. Or or your, your readme is wrong, right? And so you go and you'll fix it. But I'm sorry, yard comments are just lies. <laughs> they, they may not be lies today, but they will be lies tomorrow. And the other thing is, is that, yeah, well, that's my main beef. But the other thing is, is they're freaking ugly.
1: Yeah, uh, 100%. And I, th- I think when you say yard comments get out of date, you're not saying yard comments. You say comments at all, because that's yeah. not particular to a yard. I think that... Yeah,
0: but... Okay, go ahead. I'll, I, I'll let you say
1: your thing and then I'll say <laughs> my thing. I think they're great for libraries, as you said. I think, for example, Rails is great, great benefits from having its documentation being generated from comments. And Ruby does the same for its documentation. And that, That's great. I think having the comments there next to the code actually makes them more easy to update as you update code as well. Because if you have to update code and then clone another repo that has different, that has the docs, it's, it's more work and it's probably going to take longer to get the comments, the, the docs and the code in sync. So I think that, that case for libraries, especially, and maybe public APIs, it's good to have the comments right next to the code. But I agree with you. I haven't worked with many apps that had comments for their classes, like the models and controllers. That, that's just, that, that is just weird. I haven't seen that. And I don't think that's needed unless you have like an app, which is a Shopify scale, which has a whole lot of problems that we more morals don't have. So it's not the same thing. I agree with you 100% that comments should shouldn't be used for your app. And that's one of the cases that you should make the code speak for itself. You should have clear domain models. You should have clear method names because that will help much more than comments.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, the other thing is, is that the how do I use this? Because that's usually what it is, is it's, okay, this is a library. It's somebody else's code. How do I use this? What is this expecting? What's the behavior? Yeah, I need to know all that for a library. but if I'm writing my own code or I'm writing code for my team, I, I that should all be documented already.
2: Yep. And, and when you're... I'd just, like just like to say, Chuck, that
0: documentation without examples is not documentation. That's totally fair. Yeah. But it, I mean, the thing is, is like Elixir, for example, they have a, they have something similar to Yard, except that their documentation system actually runs the code, right? Oh. It's legit a test. And so I don't have as much of a beef about that because, yeah, it's a comment, but it's going to get validated every time you run your tests. And if that's the way that the yard documentation worked, and I, I'd love to see something like that written for Ruby, I'd mostly be okay with it. It's still ugly, yeah. I can I can live with it because it's at least accurate. the The issue that I run into there is that, yeah, you know, the API changes a little bit, the the assumptions change a little bit, and if then it's doing stuff I don't expect it to.
1: Yep. And, and you like it better because it's closer to code because it looks more yep. like code. So 100% of that. And, and I didn't know that feature and it's really cool. And as you said, it's similar to tests, which is another thing that I think is better than comments. So yeah, 100% of that. I love it. Ruby has that too.
0: Yep, And yeah, so, and, and that that kind of speaks to Luke's point where, you know, would you rather have tests or comments? I'd rather have tests because I can see exactly how the thing is called, I can see what it does, and I can see that it works.
1: And it is like an, an example in itself. If it, the test is well-written, is a
0: living that's example. True. So, that's true. Poorly written tests sometimes are worse than poorly written or out-of-date comments. Great. I think I think sometimes when, when tests are
1: really, really bad, they're worse than have no having no tests at all, because they slow us down. Bad testing is just worse than having no test.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I just had to bring that up because I have more often than not seen the yard style documentation stuff just cause more problems than actual good.
1: Yeah, it's a good opportunity to improve Ruby itself. I might I might have a look on Elixir to see if I, I can at least try yeah. to bring this.
0: I can't remember what the system's called, but it's out there. But yeah, and anyway. But yeah, the other thing like is, is the magic comments just drive me crazy.
2: <laughs> so anyway. Which magic comments?
0: Any of them. Frozen String Literal, Rubocop. Take your pick.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: It's weird. I I... All we stole it from JavaScript and it was stupid there. Strict mode. <laughs> if you it want people to do up. it, just turn it on in the engine and then let me put a flag on my Ruby if I want it off.
2: It messed me up in Japan because in Japan, the computers don't use UTF-8. They use a system called Shift JIS. And I got used to putting kind of encoding UTF-8 everywhere. And none of my code worked during this pretty high-pressure demo in the States on this, this Japanese guy's laptop. I was like, what's going on? I can't, even, I can't even do string operations anymore in Ruby. What could possibly be going on? And it's because it was running on a Windows system. And all my encoding UTF-8 lines, just all just, lack of them, broke the whole thing. Um, again, you only really hit these problems when you're kind of moving between kind of out, out of the Anglo world into, you know, languages that have more interesting character sets. I'd like to pitch my, my system of comments potatoes and, uh, get your feedback on it. So my system of the comments is more is more, uh, you know, you can always delete a comment, but you can never add it back in. Sure but you can. It's called Git. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, that's the other thing, too, that drives me a little bit nuts is, yeah, we deleted this blah, 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 comment, comment, comment. It's like, no, that's a commit message. You can get it back just by doing a revert. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. The, uh, The bottomless pit of everyone's Git history.
2: I have a rule, which I enforce strictly on all my projects now, is that at the top of every file, I have a comment. In it that says what that file does, what it's responsible for. So if it's just a command line utility or a class, there must be a comment at the top that tells me what it does. And the reason for this is, is because firstly it means that I wrote it, so it's great. Yeah. And secondly, I can identify code other people have, have, have written. Secondly, it's a lot quicker than reading the code because if I can't get that instant summary of what it does, then I've I have to look at the code and I could be there for a quite a long time. And the reason I like to do that is because even if it's wrong, it still captures the intent of the class, the intent of the file, the intent of the of the uh script. And often that tells me more. If there's a mismatch between what the comment says it should be doing and what it's actually doing, that is important information for me. The second place I always put a comment is at the start of. The every method unless it's totally totally trivial where i'd say what the method should be doing so i don't go into any kind of types and kind of classes input any of that i say this is what the method does above it uh, i know python has automated systems for documentation where you put a comment after the function definition i don't do that I always put it before because uh, that's how i kind of find my way around my code base i know this breaks Uncle Bob's rules about using this kind of thing to navigate your code base. But I find it just really speeds up my work to have a little readable, plain English comment above the method. So instead of reading it,
1: I think you should look at the comment and know, oh yeah, that's what that does. What am I doing wrong? Uh, Yeah, Yeah, I I think there's... I don't have a problem with that. I think when you say that you describe like each file, what it's doing, uh, because it's faster than reading the whole file. It depends on the problem maybe the file is too big and it should be smaller but assuming that is a small class anyway i think that's fine because as you said you can get get faster on, on things but my problem is when the that code itself is not synced up with the comment and the comment is wrong what do you do so not always the comment is right. Maybe the, 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 the requirements change, or maybe your intention changed and your you second thought, what you did first, and now you're, you're doing it differently. Uh, maybe that's a problem because other people won't know if the code or the comment is, is right. So if you're working by yourself, I mean, you can do anything that makes you faster. That, that When you're working by yourself, it's, it's totally different. You can maybe name, name variables with small names, and that that I have no problem with that. And indie game developers do that all the time because it's faster to make like quick and dirty code. And there's a different pr- set of problems. But when you're working with people, is that when comments start uh maybe start become bad because comments may mis- mislead people. They may tell lies, as Charles said. So that's the problem. If you have everything in your mind, that's fine. You don't you don't need even to write good code because you understand you wrote everything. Uh But maybe in six months, maybe in in one year from now, those comments will be out of sync and they will be (laughs) a problem for you because you won't remember which one is right. So about the method comments, um I kinda have a problem with that. I have like my go get reaction is just like that. And I think the method name should serve the purpose of the comment you're making and maybe better naming could solve this. But it's, it's really hard to say without seeing actual code. So we're just talking philosophy here.
0: That and you're wrong, Luke. But other than that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. So I never used to do that when I used to code on my own. This is a strategy I developed after coding other people because I found it incredibly difficult to pick up their projects because I had a lot of files where you literally had to read the code. And there's a lot of code, you know, there's maybe kind of 1,000, line mm-hmm. files for uh, this kind of, uh, you know, e commerce retail systems. And the day would just go. And sometimes I'd find myself reading this thing going, Oh, I've read this before, you know, I looked at this eight months ago, uh, you know, I've ah, I've, uh, if only I'd made a note to uh, avoid reading all this stuff. And I think the reason I like it is because my comments generally don't go into specifics about the function. Instead, that I like to have my short type name, like kind of send underscore CSV, right? But the comment will give a bit more context. To that, so it will say it's sending a CSV to that particular system over a network. So I think that I think I'm still right. So essentially, <laughs> I,
0: think I'm, I think I'm still right, Jack. I'm, I have changed my mind. <laughs>
2: People just don't appreciate my comments for the genius they are.
0: I mean, you're gonna every everybody's gonna see different trade offs with it. I mean, for me, my test files should all be named by a convention where I can find the test. And so, if I really want to know what the code does, I can look at the test. I can read the code, and that should be good enough most of the time. But Yeah, yeah, 100% of that. And even the test
1: names are one way to describe better situations and why is, uh, of stuff. Uh, I know that it takes a, a bit more to read the test and then read the code, but I think the benefits of having the test and having codes outweighs the time you you spend reading them. And there's a lot of tools that help you automate stuff like uh, running tests and linters and code checkers and type checkers and all that stuff. I think that that's li- literally much better than the comments. But uh, I'm not like I'm not avoiding comments everywhere just for the sake of it. I think that when you have better tools, you have to use them, and you should take advantage of the tools you have. And when the comments are the best best tools for you go ahead and use them. There is no problem with that.
0: Yep. Cool. Well, any other aspects of comments we should dive into here before we go to pics?
1: No, I think I think we're pretty much summed up everything. And I think that my whole goal here is try think before coming. Like, can I solve this problem without a comment? Can I use code to solve this? If you somehow, uh, it's a way to use code, that's a win. And if comments is better on that occasion, good, go ahead and and comment. There's no problem with that. You're not seeing it. Uh, I say that comments are a code smell, but not all smells mean something bad. It's just that it may indicate that there's a problem. If you're commenting because a file is too large to read, maybe that file shouldn't be that large. Maybe it should split some classes and modules into small files. And that would be easier to understand. And as I said, better naming goes a long way. And that's it. That's the,
0: <laughs> the sum of it. Yep. All right. Good deal. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Coaching. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Luke, do you want to start us off with picks? Well, it's funny we were talking about philosophy
2: earlier because my pick for this week is the audio audiobook version of the History of Philosophy by A. C. Grayling, which my father put me onto. It's an enormous, enormous book. It's about twenty eight hours, I think, of audiobook. So you know, it's a good value, and it takes you. All the way through Western philosophy in a biographical nature. So it says, you know, Socrates did this and he talked about that. Plato did this, just about that. All the way through to Marx in the present day. And it covers Leibniz, who came up with the original monad. So Leibniz's philosophy had a thing called a monad, which also Ties in with my second pick, which is one of the talks from RubyConf, which was about monads, which is the best talk I've seen of, of a practical demonstration in Ruby. Here's a monad. Here's how we're going to use it. Here's it making your code better. It uses dry monad and I'll put a link into the show notes after I found it. But, uh, there we go. From, from philosophy, uh, of, of the original monads, not the same. It's a computer science
0: one. They're, they're quite different <laughs> to the present-day Monads. Monads all round, Chuck. Nice. All right, I'm going to throw out some picks. Uh, the first pick I have, I do the board game picks. My wife bought me a board game for Christmas. It is called for, uh, Forbidden Desert, and it's made by the same people as Forbidden Island, if you've played that. It's a cooperative game, and essentially, so Forbidden Island, I'll just pick them both uh forbidden island effectively what you're what's going on is you've landed on a sinking island and you have to collect all of the different treasures before the island sinks right and so if the temples that have the artifacts in it sink before you get them you lose if anybody drowns you lose if you're the place you take the helicopter off the island sinks you lose right otherwise you all collaborate you all have different special abilities beyond what everybody can do and you're trying to win forbidden deserts the same idea it's a little bit more complicated if if you're if you want to kind of get the simpler game it it's going to be forbidden island uh, but forbidden deserts kind of fun with a little bit different feel the way that you locate the pieces of the airships you're you're you start at the helicopter crash site uh, on your little map and then you kind of move from there if anybody uh, runs out of water and dies, you lose. If you run out of, so there's a sandstorm that moves through the uh, the tiles for the game board. And if you run out of sand to put down for the sandstorm, you lose, right? So the basically the the city under the desert got too buried for you to operate. I can't remember the other lost condition. But anyway, so there, yeah, there are three ways to lose. And then it's kind of the same deal. You're trying to find parts of the airship and then put it together so you can fly out. And yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Games run a half hour, maybe a little longer, 45 minutes on the outside. Uh, plays up to five people. Anyway, super fun game. So I'm going to pick those, uh, Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert. As far as anything else goes, I'm just going to give a quick update on Top End Devs. So if you go sign up now, you can get into the Slack channel. This is as of the 30th of December. So I'm adding stuff in actively now but yeah, you get in the Slack channel, the water cooler chat. You can actually give the, the bot in there a command and it'll actually match, make you up with somebody else. So you can jump on like a virtual coffee or something. Um, and I'm adding channels for all the shows. Um, there it's going to periodically just drop a resource that people should look at is something that I'm planning to add in there. But I mean, Honestly, my goal is is to give people the resources they need to become the top 5% of developers in whatever field they're in. So in our case, it's Ruby, right? But it could be Rails, it could be Rhoda. I mean, you know, however you want to reckon that. But uh, I really want to give people the tools to be able to do that, right? So, um, you know, I'm going to be putting together uh, sort of a short course on the the common practices I see with people who are doing that. As far as like publishing and learning and, you know, things like that, meeting people. And then um, there are going to be videos coming out on a regular basis so that you can be consistently learning and growing, not just your tech skills, but also your soft skills. And And I really want to put an emphasis on the soft skills that make a, a difference for folks. So we're going to be putting all that together. And then I am bringing back the podcast boot camp. I'm going to be doing it a little bit different. It's going to be focused coaching. So if you're interested in that, you can just email me, chuck at topendevs.com and we'll get on a call and we'll figure out what you're looking to do and if it's a good fit for you. Obviously, I'm not going to take people on as, uh, on that coaching program unless I really think I can deliver for them. So, you know, we'll have to have a talk and make sure that what, what outcomes you want are realistic for what you, you know, what we can do with the podcast. So anyway, th- those are my picks. I'm also just going to real quick pick the digital ocean app platform. Uh, that's what I'm using to host top end devs and it is it's awesome it's working really really well mm. the only thing that I've run into that didn't seem to work well was if I used a docker file so if I deployed from a docker file it just I don't know why but and I think it might have just been the way I put my docker file together but that didn't work but if you just use the vanilla app platform setup that seems to work just fine so anyway those are my picks mateus what are your picks? So this year,
1: for, it was my first year using a MacBook and coming from Linux, that was really weird. And one thing that I really missed was like having shortcuts to resize windows and split screen and all that stuff. So I found this app called Rectangle for macOS and it makes this work. It adds a lot of shortcuts for you and can resize windows and can do all sorts of stuff. And I really loved it. And my second pick is a book called Crafting Interpreters from by Robert Nystrom. It is a book uh, that explains how to create an interpreted language, like pretty much like JavaScript. And it builds from the ground up. You build everything without any external tool. You end up actually being in two languages or better saying the same language twice. you build once uh, with a simpler approach with Java, and you'll build it the second one when you build the, the virtual machine uh, in C, and it looks a lot like Ruby. So if you're into Ruby and if you want to know how Ruby, Python, all that lang- other kind of languages work, uh, you may want to read this book. It's really approachable. I didn't know anything about programming languages and compilers before reading it. And it's a pleasure to read. And it's really, really good. And you can read it for free on- online. But if you want to, you can buy the book on Amazon as well. So
0: that's my second pick. Cool. All right. One more question. If people want to find you online, where do they find you? You
1: can find me on Twitter and GitHub at Mathieu's Breach, which is M-A-T-H-E-U-S-R-I-C-H. And it's the same thing everywhere. So we put on the show notes, but uh, it's, the, it's my handle everywhere. So just ping me out. And if you want
0: to talk about comments and other fun stuff, and uh, you can reach me out on Twitter. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. But thank you for coming. This was, this was awesome. Thanks for having me. Mm. All right, folks. Until next time, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by CashFly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly, visit C A C H E F L Y to learn more.